Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I was washing my face and I came downstairs and like ran downstairs with banging headache and fell into my mum's arms. I kind of caught her as she fell into the room. And then I looked at her and um, could really see that half of her face was collapsing as it does, you know, indicative of having a stroke. We went to our local hospital first and they weren't really sure what was happening to Elizabeth. So she had a CT scan. They spoke to Great Ormond Street to get some advice from them. And they kind of said, well, you need to start thinking this is a stroke because at first they were kind of under the sort of feeling that it might be a severe migraine. Apparently, teenagers can have migraines that present a bit like <laughs> a stroke. That was kind of, that was their thoughts initially. At first I was, I didn't really feel anything about the strokes. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And then after going back to school, I became depressed for a bit because I was like, oh, this is my life now. Everyone's going to view me differently. My life's over, basically. But I got through that point. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. In the UK, there are more than 100,000 strokes every year. That's about one every five minutes. And strokes can happen to anyone of any age. At least one child will have a stroke every day. The after effects of a stroke are similar in children to those in adults. Difficulties with mobility, talking and eating, fatigue, memory loss, changes in behavior and persistent headaches. It's usually sudden, it can be devastating and while the health services are amazing with diagnosis and treatment after the stroke patients often find that there aren't enough resources to help them on their long journey to recovery so we started stroke stories the podcast to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors in this podcast we hear from elizabeth kiss and her mother danielle at the age of 13, Elizabeth suffered a stroke while at home in Essex. I was really social, I think. Um, I was just, like, looking forward to everything that came at me. I was at school. Um, I had a massive friend group, all that. So I'd say we were quite as normal as a normal, whatever normal is. Um, Elizabeth <laughs> was at school. She had a very nice local friendship group. She was involved with lots of things. She used to used to go dancing. You'd been to a party the night before, hadn't you? Oh yeah. School friend. I was washing my face and I came downstairs and like ran downstairs with banging headache and fell into my mum's arms. She just came thundering down the stairs 
saying she had this intense headache and I kind of caught her as she fell into the room. And then I looked at her and um, could really see that half of her face was um, collapsing as it does, you know, indicative of having a stroke. I had no idea what was happening to her. Elizabeth's got a twin brother. I got him to phone for an ambulance. And I do remember saying to the person on the phone, it looks like she's having a stroke. But in my head, I was thinking, that, well, that can't be right, though, because 13-year-olds don't have strokes, do they, as far as I know? That's the only thing I could think, because then with that, she did lose um, uh, the use of the left side of her body completely. So she was totally paralysed down one side, so she couldn't stand up or anything. We had to lay her down. All the signs were of a stroke. You got quite distressed because yeah. of, because you didn't know what was happening and you did keep asking what is happening to me. Of course, we couldn't answer that question. I remember running downstairs and being in the ambulance and them asking me what I had for breakfast. <laughs> Once I woke up from being in a coma, I just remember certain things like people smells. I'm waking up thinking, oh, I want fruit pastels. <laughs> so, yeah, Elizabeth found it difficult to put words together. Yeah. Found it difficult to read, that kind of thing. So in the early days, it was very much us sort of leading her and telling her what was happening, what, what she was going to be doing that day. Um, it took it probably took a good sort of 10 days for you to sort of be, become a bit more inquisitive about things and start pushing yourself a bit more yeah. with the physio. We went to our local hospital first and they weren't really sure what was happening to Elizabeth. So she had a CT scan. They spoke to Great Ormond Street to get some advice from them. And they kind of said, well, you need to start thinking this is a stroke because at first they were kind of under the sort of feeling that it might be a severe migraine. Apparently, teenagers can have migraines that present a bit like <laughs> a stroke. That was kind of, That was their thoughts initially. But then when they didn't actually confirm that she'd had a stroke at our local hospital, but they knew they had to get her somewhere else quickly because they, they didn't have the facilities to, to deal with her. So Great Ormond Street was full. So we ended up being taken to Edinburgh's. And that's where it was confirmed later on that day that actually she did have a clot on the brain and that she had, in fact, had a stroke. When we got there on the Saturday, they took her into intensive care because they just wanted to monitor her at that point. It's too late to do anything about the clot from a drug point of view but also it wasn't licensed for children at the time there was no protocol for stroke in children and how to deal with it that was quite difficult difficult for us because we wanted them to know what to do <laughs> and they didn't and because especially our local hospital they had no protocol to follow so they were probably asking the same questions that we were asking as as a parents which was frustrating so Sunday they just monitored Elizabeth and then Monday um, her condition was deteriorating so they took her in for emergency surgery to try and take the, to remove the clot so that was the worst absolute worst time because they said it was a very risky operation but there was no choice we had to try because it was otherwise the outcome would have been very different um, they weren't able to remove the clot, but what they do, they put a like a little umbrella on a catheter and go in through the groin and up to the brain, push the umbrella up and then open it up to try and pull the clot down. Um, that didn't work. They tried another couple of methods, but they still couldn't remove it. But thankfully, what did happen was they let some of the oxygenated blood pass the clot at that point. So, it so some of the blood was getting to the parts of the brain that were starting to be starved of oxygenated blood.
As a parent of a young child who just suffered a severe stroke, Danielle turned to her family and friends for support. Oh God, you just try and find something in you to stay positive, I suppose. All the time thinking and someone might walk through that door in a minute and give us the worst news. Um, and obviously time goes very slowly when they're having operations like that. And it did go on um, because they were trying a few different methods. Um, it was longer than we expected. I couldn't tell you whether it was three hours or 12 hours because it was just the most awful time. But um, eventually when they brought her back up to the intensive care unit and told us that it had, hadn't worked, then there was the, the unknown of what she was going to be like when she woke up. All my family live in Wiltshire, so that was quite difficult. My sister came up and took uh, Elizabeth's twin brother away <laughs> because it was the school holidays, just starting the school holidays. So she stepped in and just took over from that side, took the dogs, took the <laughs> took, took the, uh, the other child. And yeah, I mean, just lots of lots of very tearful phone calls, just um, looking for some support from wherever you can get it, really. My husband had to go back to work after about four days, so kind of left me there. Yeah, difficult, very difficult time. And luckily, I had a job where I was able to um, just tell them that I wouldn't be in for the unforeseeable future, because that's really what I was told that... You know, we, we don't know at this point, this could be months that you will have to be around. Even with the best outcome, someone will have to be with her all the time for the next few months. So you can't leave her on her own. Just when she was starting to get independent, you know, 13, she walked to school and I was working. And you suddenly start to think about how the rest of your life is going to pan out. Elizabeth's recovery was difficult at first, but slowly and surely she made significant progress in her physical mobility. They kept her in um, medical coma for a couple of days. They wanted the brain to just have a chance to, to rest. Sure. And then they woke her up. And so she was still paralysed down one side of her body. Um, you could speak, couldn't you? But it was... I sounded like a Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> we were just told, really, it is a case of let's just start physio. And she had to be tube fed. They wouldn't let her try eating for oh, quite a while. Worst. Yeah, you struggled with that, didn't you? Having yeah, just one fruit pastels. <laughs> they used to get a hoist to get her out of the bed, take her into the gym, <laughs> and after about two days, they managed to get you to stand up. And I think, yeah, you cried, didn't you, when you first stood up? Yeah, I can't tell you. It was just amazing, just like standing up after being stuck in bed, only being able to sit down. People were having to take you to the toilet. And then being able to stand up and soon to be able to walk. And then you could go to the toilet yourself, be able to do more yourself. And it's just the independence coming back. It was um, every day. We just saw huge improvements. It, it is difficult because there are massive improvements. And, you know, obviously you're really excited about those. You know, you, you can see that there's a there's a future. She is going to be able to walk. There, Although at the time it was very you know, unsteady, but also all the damage that's done with all the cognitive thinking and the processing, you know that's there and that's almost something to be dealt with later after the physical start, you know, after you've worked on the physical stuff, but you know you've still got all of that to come, all those challenges. It was really difficult because at first I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to get better on stuck like this. And then after a while, once I ate for, like, chewed food, 
like stood up it became like clear I could push through it and I could maybe get over it a bit more. Despite the gains made in her recuperation when she returned to school Elizabeth struggled. At first I was I didn't really feel anything about the strokes. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And then after going back to school, I became depressed for a bit because I was like, oh, this is my life now. Everyone's going to view me differently. My life's over, basically. But I got through that point. I went to a support group and music really helps as well. Just finding new people like to listen to music-wise on my own generally helped because I'd get really down and then I'd find like or angry and I'd find music I enjoyed and I'd just listen to it and it snapped me out of that mood. Probably as a child at the time, although a young adult really, I'm pretty sure no one probably did ask you how you feel. I think most of it was through me, you know, people would tell me what was going to happen and I would tell Elizabeth what's going to happen. Probably something that is was challenging for a child to tell a stroke is that people don't really know how to talk to you about it or yeah. there's probably lots, you know, there are lots of support groups for adults that have had strokes. There's lots of places that you can go to and talk about stroke because lots of adults have had them but it's there's so few places to go and talk to other children or I mean, luckily, there is the Stroke Association have got a um, childhood stroke project, but every stroke's different. Every mm. person's had a stroke's different. As, and so even that can be difficult because there's so few children that actually then to find somebody that kind of has had the same journey as you is quite difficult. My friends wouldn't know how to act towards me, which is why I think I lost quite a few friends. And that got me in the depressed state for a bit because people would either be really off towards me or overly nice and not know how to like view me as exactly the same as them. I've just had something happen to me. The, the physical stuff was easy for people to yeah. see and help you with. So, you know, if you needed help tying your laces or carrying a bag, then lots of people happy to do that. What they didn't understand was the brain injury side of the stroke and when Elizabeth would perhaps say something out of character or not be able to keep up with her work at school the same as she did before or if she just was exhausted through fatigue, people didn't just didn't understand that. Yeah. You know, I, you, I got fed up with saying she's had a brain injury. It's not, I almost don't want to call it a stroke. I want to say yeah. it's a brain injury so that people understand that there's a lot going on here. It's not just that you can't use your left hand. It's, there's other things that are just, you know, are just as debilitating. After a while, I did start to say that I've had this. Things are a bit different with how I act because of my stroke and my cognitive stuff isn't as good as it used to be or I don't really have a filter. I can't really control what I'm saying. Elizabeth's stroke had a serious impact on her and her family's life, and she found the recovery period and getting back to normal life a difficult process. However, with the help of her family, Elizabeth continues to make amazing progress. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Danielle explains how the Stroke Association 
helped her come to terms with what had happened to Elizabeth. We had some help from the Stroke Association. We went to two of the parent information days that they hold. They were really helpful because they made you realise that what Elizabeth is going through, they're, they're dealing with the same. So it's so frustrating because there's so few people that you can speak to about a child that's had a stroke. And it's probably the same whatever brain injury a child's had. It's just really difficult. And Elizabeth and Danielle tell us about their night at the Life After Stroke Awards 2018. Oh, it was amazing. It was such a good night. <laughs> I was so proud of her. I even sat at the table with, we had three of the actresses from Casualty and you were interacting with them and chatting to them as if, yeah. uh, you know, we're so much ease. And I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, who would have thought this four years ago would be where we are. Let's Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hear how the stroke caused significant changes in Elizabeth's behavior. I think I acted up quite a lot because I didn't really know how to like show I was feeling a certain way. Yeah, so you'd get very angry or very upset very quickly yeah and then I'd be overly happy one minute so something that um we were fortunate enough to be referred to well we had we we had to fight for about 18 months to get the funding but Elizabeth went to a pediatric um neuropsych rehabilitation program in Cambridge and it just changed everything so um because up until then we we were just battling with her really because of all the changes in her personality, we just we didn't know what to do with her. You know, we were pulling our hair out as as a family because of how she was very different. Um, just small things like you know, if we said go and um, you can't wear that, you know, you need to change those shoes, she would just go into a complete and utter meltdown, <laughs> just absolutely lose the plot completely. And when she went through the program, and we got a better understanding of what part of the brain had been affected how it's taken Elizabeth a lot of time and effort to think about what shoes to wear and then suddenly we've got to change the plan that's why she then flips because her brain actually just then goes into meltdown it can't cope with that change of decision very quickly yeah so all of that kind of information was an absolute lifesaver for us as a family I mean it got I can't tell you how bad it was you know my husband and I were arguing because we didn't understand we didn't know how to parent her <laughs> you were falling out with your brother and sister all the time because it was just a house of arguments 
and then once you were assessed and they looked at all your so lots of lots of tests quite a lot of hard work you had to do didn't you to yeah for them to kind of come up with an assessment and a plan of how to help you going forward and that just changed everything because we understood Elizabeth better she understood herself better and understood why perhaps you know she said to you about the filter she sometimes was saying things to her friends that she knew was inappropriate but that she still said them and she'd come home and say I don't even know why I said it because Mm -hmm. I know it's not right but in the heat of the moment it seemed appropriate but it helped you understand why you did that because you understood it you were able to slow yourself down a bit when you don't do it now hardly at all so just a a total game changer don't you know i don't know where we would have been without that intervention along with taking part in stroke recovery programs elizabeth has also started working in a local pub it's fun because i get to socialize with the people that go in there it's just something to do as well get me out the house one year or two years after my stroke i never would have gone out and willingly spoke to people that i didn't really know when Elizabeth stopped socialising, that she went, she used to be a brownie. You wanted to socialise, didn't you? Yeah. But you just didn't really know how to do it. So I went back to the brownies and said, could she come and be a young leader? And they said yes. So that was one of the things that you started doing, isn't it? So yeah. you knew you had to get out of the house and you knew you had to socialise. You just didn't really know how to do it. But I think it helped because it was younger children. Joined Explorer Scouts, went on a camp with them. I did. The, NCS, nation- yeah, the National year. Citizenship Scheme last year, which you'd have never done two years after. <laughs> no. It's one step at a time. I think it still is, really, isn't it? Yeah. I've got most of my independence back now. To find answers for her concerns about her daughter's stroke, Danielle attended an information event for parents organised by the Stroke Association. We had some help from the Stroke Association. We went to two of the parent information days that they hold they were really helpful because they made you realise that what Elizabeth's going through, they're, they're dealing with the same. So it's so frustrating because there's so few people that you can speak to about a child that's had a stroke. And it's probably the same whatever brain injury a child's had. It's just really difficult. And um, I remember going to one of the parent days and a dad stood up and did a talk about his daughter who was about five years post-stroke but had the stroke about the same age as Elizabeth and he at the time so Elizabeth was about two years on he was telling us what it was like when she was two years on and it was almost like they were describing Elizabeth <laughs> like oh thank goodness we're not she's not the only one you know and all these things that we've got problems with she you know his daughter's overcome them or her you know certainly pushed past some of them so it is worth it it is worth the battle it is worth Keep pushing yourself. Keep yeah. pushing her. The day's just for parents. They don't let the children go. Elizabeth, you found that a bit frustrating because you wanted to come, didn't you? And you yeah. wanted to meet other stroke survivors of the same age. I just guess it was so I knew what I was going through wasn't just something only I would ever go through. Like other people had gone through it as well. My friends kind of surprised me because I thought they'd be there like for me all the time but they kind of left me and they didn't really know how to like act around me or cope with what I was saying and doing that they found a bit weird I didn't realize all the mental stuff would come with it I thought it was just physical 
life is so much better now. I can socialise more easily. I guess it's made me a stronger person, like mentally. What surprised me most about it? But the lack of understanding in the medical profession for children to have strokes. We were told on more than one occasion that after you've had a stroke, you're physically, you're plateau, and that's it. You can't go, you can't improve anymore. And then to go, we've used other services since. Um, there's an upper limb programme at um, UCLH that have been amazing. And they're all about, there is no plateau. You just keep going. And so last year, Elizabeth couldn't tie her shoelaces. She couldn't put her hair up. She couldn't eat with a knife and fork. And she's done the programme. It's a three-week programme. And those, they're not easy. They're still quite tricky for her, but she can do all of those things now. In 2018, Elizabeth's incredible determination earned her a Children and Young People's Courage Award at the Life After Stroke Awards. Oh, it was amazing. It was such a good night. <laughs> I was so proud of her. I even sat at the table with, we had three of the actresses from Casualty and you were interacting with them and chatting to them as if, yeah. uh, you know, we're so much ease. And I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, who would have thought this four years ago would be where we are? You know, there's me thinking we might be pushing around in a wheelchair with a <laughs> feeding tube and here you are on stage getting an award for just just to keep going every day, really, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I was hugely proud of her. I want to start horse riding and um, pass my driving test, yeah. I, I want to do something to do with special effects makeup. My ambition for Elizabeth really is just to keep, for her to keep growing in confidence, keep pushing her forward to go and do, you know, talk to people. Like now when we go out, if someone has to go and order something, <laughs> we say, right, Elizabeth, you have to do that. So I just want her to grow in confidence. I want her personality to come through. And I want her to realise that she can do anything she wants to do. So yeah, we didn't think you'd be driving a car, did we? It's a bit scary <laughs> seeing her out there driving. But I want to be able to move my hand a bit more, I think. Get that working a bit more, I guess. There will be that bad days, but as long as it's one bad day, not like a bad week or a bad month or a bad year. Don't give up hope. Keep asking questions. Use as many contacts as you can, because eventually you'll just meet somebody that will put you in touch with another service and something that can be life-changing. So talk to other people. But I'll also be a bit kind to yourself because it's not easy. It's not easy being a parent anyway, but to face all the challenges that come with a child when they've had a stroke is can be very frustrating and hard work. But, well, look, it's worth it in the end because look where we are now, four years <laughs> on, you know. We didn't think this would be it. So just push through the hard times. It will be difficult. There'll be rubbish days but like Elizabeth said as long as you pick yourself up the next day and just mm -hmm. keep going Despite facing enormous emotional and physical difficulties caused by her stroke Elizabeth has come out the other side an immensely strong and positive person She's looking forward to an exciting future and is focusing on her goals of learning to drive and becoming a special effects makeup artist. If you're listening to this podcast and have had a stroke, or somebody close to you has, and you'd like to learn more, search online for the Stroke Association. For a dedicated NHS webpage, search for NHS Strokes.
And if you're a regular listener to our podcast, please subscribe to the series and rate and comment so we know what you think about the podcast. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.